Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this 15-minute conversation between myself and Evergreen Sterling Cooter Tax Director, Kelly Sterling. And as always, thanks for listening. All views and opinions expressed by the host and any guests of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen Golf Cal. Evergreen Golf Cal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, I'm joined today by the tax director of our tax arm, Evergreen Sterling Cooter. So we've got Kelly Sterling with us. And Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. First time on. It's I, I love having the tax people on, especially as we're, as we're going into tax season here. Uh, so we're going to get you out of the gates a little bit with uh, just tell us about life as a, C, as a CPA. What, what is life like right now? And, and what's kind of your day to day, at least right now, look like? Yeah. Well, um, you know, most firms, this is kind of the lull before the storm. We are basically spend most of January getting ready for the busy season. Uh, but uh, and so we've been hiring and uh, getting our, all of our systems in place, getting our software updated. And then, you know, about this time of year is when people start receiving tax reporting documents. Uh, so um, we are basically going to get cranked up here and you know our usual work day is probably about 10 to 11 hours during the tax season and we work Saturdays as well um, you know our firm we try to avoid working Sundays but you know towards the uh, filing deadline sometimes we come in on Sunday as well so we've got about a 13 week uh, busy season and we're kind of just getting started. Well, fun stuff to head. I mean, what a party. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we, we love uh, all the all the work that you guys do. And it's it's been great now having a partnership with you to, to help on the tax side. I'm curious uh, for those listening, any uh, updated laws on the federal side that that people should be aware of, kind of no matter what state they're in? Yeah, for 2022, uh, not much has changed, actually. Most of the Biden tax changes will take uh effect in 2023. From a reporting standpoint this year, the the big differences are the COVID relief packages are finished. So taxpayers uh, are not getting economic uh, stimulus payments, nor are they getting uh, the advanced uh, childcare credits. And so from our standpoint, it, things are going to get a lot simpler because uh, we always had to run that down with our clients and reconcile those with um, the IRS records. And so uh, so that's going to make things more straightforward. We're getting back to kind of the pre-COVID reporting requirements, which is um, which is nice to, to have happen. Um, and then um, the, one of the Biden tax changes that does take place relates to electronic vehicle credits. So there's a there's a, a whole slew of new qualifications for those credits. Most of those take place uh, starting for cars purchased after 2023. But there is a new requirement that the vehicle uh, has to be assembled in the United States. And that takes place uh, for any car purchased after August 16th of 2022. So um, so people are going to have to be careful about that. 
there is, if if clients are wondering about, you know, whether or not their car was assembled in the U.S., uh, it'll say on the tag, on the vehicle, the information tag will have um, the final assembly um, location. And there's also a uh, website, it's called a VIN decoder website, which um, is the Highway Department of Transportation has. And so you're able to go on, put your VIN number in and see where the car was assembled. So um, so there's going to be a little, little more hoops to go through. Um, starting in 2023, the EV credits are going to have uh, an income limitation. So uh, anybody who makes over uh, $300,000 jointly or 150 dollars uh, if you're single um, will not be able to take the credits. And there's also a, uh, a cost uh, restriction. So for a passenger vehicle, the uh, MSRP cannot be over $55,000. And for a SUV, it cannot be over $80,000. Wow. So yeah. So, you know, they basically kind of extended the EV credits as part of the, the Green Deal package, but then they also put a lot of limitations on it. So actually, it's, it's much more complex and so it'll be more limited for taxpayers going forward. Okay, well, that's good to know. What about uh, changes for Washington specifically? I know this is only going to apply to a, a segment of our of our uh, listener listener base, but anything that you would pass along, given that we we file here in ta- in Washington? Yeah. So the biggest issue with Washington taxpayers is the new capital gains tax, and this has been coming for about a, v- a year. Uh, it's it's been held up in litigation. Uh, but uh, in December, I believe it was November, December, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, the tax, the state of Washington could collect the tax even if uh, even before their ruling on whether or not it's unconstitutional. And the, the Supreme Court just um, had oral arguments at the end of January, and it may take a couple of months to, uh, for them to come down with a ruling. Uh, but the tax is due on April 15th. And so. The state is going ahead and um, going through a process of uh, putting together a process of filing the return and um, collecting the tax on um, April 15th. The, the, the biggest issue that um, is coming down the pike is that th- this can't be filed with your income tax return. Most states have a system where they piggyback on the federal income tax return. Uh, the state of Washington is not going to allow that. Um, all taxpayers have to go on to their website and create a uh, SAW account, which is called it's a Secure Access Washington account. So they're going to have to go in and um, register for an account and then go in and file their return online and pay their tax online. Uh, and so it's going to be a very interesting um process. Uh, it's a very complicated tax, and they're expecting taxpayers to know what uh, what's exempt from the tax, you know, what is a Washington, uh, what's Washington um, allocated income and not. So it's it's very, it's going to be very interesting to, to say the least. The penalties for, for late payment of the tax, so if you don't pay your tax on uh, April 15th, the, if you pay a month late, it's a 9% penalty. If you, after two months, it goes up to 19%. And after three months, it's a 29% penalty for not paying all your tax. Wow. And then if you don't file a return, it's a 25% penalty. So you um, you have the possibility of paying over 50% penalties if you don't do this correctly. 
So, so anyway, at this point, it's going to be a, a, a real um, hard issue to deal with. Uh, and it's only two months away. Um, the, it sounds the, to me like uh, you should get a good CPA based on what. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, since, this, since this is not being done through our normal software, our tax software, uh, we're still trying to develop a way where we can assist our clients in getting this filed correctly and making sure their tax is paid. Um, it, it, it only affects uh, taxpayers with gains of over $250,000. So, uh, and it doesn't include real estate. So people are not going to pay this tax when they sell their home. I hear uh, that a lot. Just the misconception around that people can being confused on whether it applies to the sale of homes or not, but you're saying it does not. It does not. Uh, so it's mainly going to, uh, it basically it's a, it's a tax on, you know, security gains. So if you, if you have a, you know, a big portfolio and you have capital gains distributions or you're selling stock and have gains, and then this is going to, to basically, you're going to be subject to this tax. Um, the, the other issue is that a lot of clients are involved in uh, investment funds and those K-1s will come in usually in August or September. And the amount of the capital gains is really not known <laughs> until that time. So uh, it's going to be uh, uh, tough for people to estimate um, in April what their tax will actually be. So that's crazy to me. I don't know why they they have it staged that way. It seems like the sequence is out of sequence. Well, you'll notice on the on the the Washington website, and and this is the way people pay excise tax. So on the Washington website, they always refer to this as an excise tax, not an income tax, because uh -huh. income tax is unconstitutional. So you know they. They are basically kind of going through a process that they use for paying excise tax. Um, so I think that's part of the part of the reason um, they do. The other requirement when you file your uh, your capital gains tax return, you're going to have to upload your complete federal tax return. Uh, so you all have to uh, everybody will have to send a complete copy of their federal tax return to the state as part of this process. By April 15th? By April 15th. Or April 18th this year? Yeah, yeah April 18th. There is, if you if you have an extension on your federal return, you get an extension on your Washington return. So, there you go. Yeah, so you, but that doesn't extend the payment of the tax. So you sure. have to pay the tax on, on April 18th this year. Be interesting to pay the tax, like you said, with uh, unknown numbers. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, mean, it's going to be, a, yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, it's going to be really difficult. Uh, so we're, we're basically, you know, trying to get, we're telling our clients now that, um, you know, as soon as you get your 1099s, um, and any other reporting documents from your brokerage accounts, you know, send those to us immediately. And then also uh, if you're in an investment fund, you need to contact them and because you will need some estimate of the capital gains from that right. fund. Right. Well, no, yeah, being involved with many of those, I know that that's easier said than done. So yes, um, exactly, exactly. So you know, we're just going to do the best we can, I guess, at this point. Well, before I, before we get out of here, I would like to know are there, I don't know, one, one or two or three like common mistakes that you see taxpayers, tax filers making, especially those that are potentially doing it on their own and I, you know whether it's investing or filing your taxes i always tell people if you're really ambitious and want to do it on your own and you're excited about that go go for it but 
I'm curious if you see common mistakes that you'd like to highlight on things that you just see over and over and over again on the tax side. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the biggest issues that we see and, and then the, the IRS really doesn't audit a lot of taxpayers, you know, um, physically audit them. Um, generally, most audits are done by um, autom- their automated system. And so most notices we will get from the IRS relate to, you know, not including um, all their 1099 income. Uh, so, you know, people will misplace their their reporting statements and those don't get recorded. The IRS matches those up and, you know, they basically send you a bill. And a lot of times, sometimes taxpayers will put those in the wrong place. And so they will get a bill for something that they really included on their return. So you just have to be careful to make sure that you keep all your reporting documents as those are as those are received. And the IRS is particularly good at, at catching your your payments or errors in your payments. And so um, so basically it's making sure that you get all your payments correctly reported. Those are the real big issues that that we see. Another area, a problem area is where taxpayers will have children that file their own tax returns. And so if you have a child and they make under 12,000, they have a summer job and they make under roughly $12,000, they do not have to pay uh, income tax, nor do they have to file a tax return. And so if you have a child that is uh, applying for a summer job and you get a W-4, from the employer, you sh- they, they, they should put down that they're exempt from tax, which they could do if they if they made under 12,000 of the year before and they expect to make under 12,000 this year, they can basically file this exempt from tax. Then there's no withholding and there's no, um, uh, no requirement to file a tax return. Uh, many times kids will have a summer job and they'll have $250 withheld and so, you know, then uh, they have to file a return to get their money back, and uh, and it's not necessary. But you know, if they if they have had tax withheld, that's what it's going to require. And uh, a lot of kids will just go on TurboTax or or file or parents will file the returns for them. And there is a box to check that says that you are a dependent of another. And they have to make sure that box is checked. Um, if they don't check that box uh, and then uh, the parents e-file their tax return a couple of months later, then they will, the IRS will reject that return because um, the, the Social Security number was used by the child um, and they, were t- they got a full dependency exemption themselves, even though they didn't need it. So it, it, uh, in many cases, you know, that happens. And then then the decision uh, at the parent level as well, how much benefit did I get for the exemption? You know, if they have a lot of income, they, they really wouldn't get much of an exemption. And, you know, how much how much uh, uh, how much money was was withheld from the child. And you got to kind of have to decide whether or not you just amend the, or just refile the parent's return without the exemption. Sure. So, so anyway, so that's another uh, area where we see a lot of issues prop up. Any, uh, maybe finally, any fun facts on taxes that you'd like to share? Yeah, the uh, IRS just came out with stats for the 2020 tax year. 
And there's um, there's always a lot of political discussion about who pays what tax, uh, but uh, and and what the fair share is. Uh, the 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 facts for 2020 are that the top one percent of taxpayers paid 43.2 percent of uh, income tax. The top 25% paid 89% of the U.S. income tax, and the top 50% of taxpayers paid 97.7% of income tax. So the bottom bottom 50% paid 2.3% of income tax. So, you know, that is, um, uh, that's how our, our, our system is collecting money. Uh, this year, the, this was a, the highest uh, year of, of uh, tax receipts in history at about, I think it was $4.9 trillion. So, um, so anyway, so just well, a fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> they will spend it wisely, I'm sure. Um, yeah, exactly. so, okay, last question. When tax uh, season wraps up, and I know that there's various deadlines, but let's say the April 18th, um, a 1040 return that season wraps up and you go vacation where's your favorite place to go vacation to uh we usually uh head down to palm springs area to there we go little r and r yep for sure well something to look forward to <laughs> yes, so yes, a, you gotta have that at the end of the tunnel here for sure yep well, I appreciate your time today, especially as you're starting to ramp up into it. It's really good to hear your perspective on on uh, where things are at. And we'll get you on again uh, ahead. So th- appreciate your time. Thanks, Kelly. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Evergreen GovCal is a wealth management firm with offices in Bellevue, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and California's Bay Area. We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.